This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, team. If you want to grab your Bibles out, we're going to look at Matthew 28. So if you'd like to open the Scriptures with me, we will do that together. Matthew 28, the verses will also be up on the screen. I'm going to pray and then we will, we will um, we'll read from the Word of God together. Father, we want to thank You for the immense privilege that it is to open Your Word. We want to thank you for the many um, women and men who over centuries and millennia have stewarded this word. Lord God, that it would be with us today, that it would be celebrated, that it would be listened to. And Lord God, we position ourselves under its authority this morning. We pray, Lord God, that you'd speak to us through your word. Would you shape us and guide us by the revelation of who you are? And I pray that we would be changed forever because of it, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's read together from Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Amen. At the end of every year, you have awards ceremonies. In a couple of weeks' time, we'll be told who was the Australian of the Year for 2023 or the Young Australian of the Year for 2023. Lots of sporting codes at the end of the year come out and say, this was our Player of the Year, this was our Coach or Manager of the Year. And these awards come around as we kind of take stock of what happened in the year that's been and we try and sum it up. There will be events of the year, people of the year. Our team, on our team, we do, you know, we do end of year awards and some of them are funny, some of them are, you know, maybe a little bit cruel and even some of them are encouraging every now and then. There's a couple of encouraging awards that fly around. But the Macquarie Dictionary put out a word of the year every year. Dictionaries add in words into the dictionary every year. And I don't know how you feel about that. Some people maybe get a little bit triggered by new words becoming into the into kind of common vernacular, people talking about them. But do you know what the 2023 Macquarie Dictionary Word of the Year was for this year? The word was this, get ready for it, Cozy Lives. Two words, yes. <laughs> Macquarie Dictionary words of the year 
for 2023, because he lives, it's not talking about bathers, it's not talking about swimming, it's not talking about a person called Olivia. It is shorthand Australiana vernacular for cost of living. That was the word of the year, my friends, for 2023, cost of living. Where does that come from? Like, we're obviously anxious about it, right? But we have to be anxious in a kind of, kind of Aussie, cynical, sarcastic, funny way that shortens everything. You know, it could have been Cosy, it could have been Coso, you know, like just, you know, Cosa. It could have been any of those. Cosy lives, cost of living. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I have two very immediate reactions in my own heart when I hear that that's the word of the year. My first one is, really? (laughs) As in, we're in Australia with all of what we have around us and access to all of the media about what's happening in other parts of the world. And the one thing that's going to become word of the year for us is a complaint about the cost of living. That's my first response. Maybe not the most godly one, I'll admit that, because my second response is, yeah, I get it. I know people who are close to me who've had to make radical, life-altering changes to their own life because the price of groceries are going up, because interest rates are going up, because all of those things are impacting and challenging our way to live, right? So on the other hand, I also get it. And so I kind of live torn between those two tension points. And so I just want to declare that to you right now. But it is true. There are those things. A lot of you are thinking about how, how you could do your groceries differently. A lot of you are thinking about how you might be able to make changes here or there to be able to cope with the rising prices. But the thing behind all of that is what? Anxiety, right? Worry. Because what happens if it keeps happening? What happens if interest rates just become runaway and nothing ever changes and they just keep going up, 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 up? What if avocados continue to go up, up, up? What happens if all of the things that we love keep going up? What happens if we can never rein it in? What happens if everything gets, what happens if we can't, what happens if I have to move area? If I have to move out of the place where I love, or I have to move away from my family, or I have to move somewhere else, or I have to think about how I'm going to do all, what happens then? And we can start to get anxious, can't we? That's real. That's a very, very real thing that each person is grappling with right now. But that anxiety about the future and about uncertainty is not new. It's not new. The passage that we just read features 11 disciples who followed after a person called Jesus of Nazareth, their rabbi. They followed after him for three years. In their own words, we left everything to follow him. And they saw him die. And you think, well, mate, that is pretty uncertain. The one who we thought was going to be the Messiah is now dead. And what's even weirder is now we've, had a report of some of our women say to us that he's been, he's, he's been risen from the dead and he's told us to meet him at this specific and 
specific place and we're going to go and I think that's uncertain and I think that would have caused a little bit of anxiety. In fact, we're told in other accounts that sometimes the disciples met and their doors were locked because they were afraid of what was outside. Are you living in a locked room because you're afraid of what's outside? And yet it's into that anxious, uncertain moment that Jesus utters some of the most famous words that you or I have ever heard and some of the most famous words that have rung out throughout history for the last 2,000 years. What does he say? Well, Jesus, it says that now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What we have here is one of Jesus' favourite places and the disciples on their faces. What mountain are we talking about? Well, this is one of Jesus' favourite mountains in Galilee. It's one of his favourite places. We read about it in Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up onto the mountain, the mountain where he sat down and his disciples came to him. And what comes after that is the sermon on the... Immediately he made the disciples, Matthew 14, get into a boat and go before them to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Matthew 15, he went from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He went up on the mountain and sat down there and great crowds came to him, bringing with them lame, blind, crippled, mute and many others and they put them at his feet. This is a favourite, you have favourite places, don't you? Your favourite place. Jesus had one too. And it was this momentous occasion in the middle of their anxiety, Jesus said, come on, boys, you're scared, little dudes. He has to go get the women to go get him, right? The women are way braver than them. He comes, they come to his favourite place. And what do they do when they see him from far off? Here he is, there's Jesus over there. What do they do? They worship him. What does that mean? Well, let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Do you reckon that's the scene? Well, that word worship doesn't mean that. (laughs) That word worship in that passage is the first time that the New Testament uses a very specific word, proskuneo, which means to lie down, to fall face down. They fall on their faces in worship of Jesus. They don't even get close to Him. They see Him on His favourite mountain over there and before they even get close, they fall down and worship Him. They fall on their face in the middle of doubt. Some of them doubted. Do you know Jesus is like, you know worship can still happen in the midst of doubt? I think about that every time we gather. I think there's worship going on and there's doubt happening. And you know what? God's cool with it. You know Jesus doesn't give His commission just to the ones who worshipped? Ooh, He gave it to the doubters too. So they're all there. Some of them are falling down and some of them are like, "Hmm, is that really Jesus? I don't really know. I'm not really sure. And we know they're at a distance because then he says he came to them and said, which means they move together. They walk close. Now, how are you gonna worship this year? 
I just want you to come to Jesus' favourite place. He's inviting you to his favourite places and to fall down and give everything and worship him. What we do with our body matters. What we do physically with our body is important. It's why communion's important. It's why baptism's important. We're gonna talk about both of those in a little bit. But when you lie down on your face, it is a very different experience of worshipping Jesus than standing up tall on a platform. It feels different. Spatially, it's different. And when you're lying down and your face is on carpet with that thousands of people have walked on, brought whatever else it is and your face is like right there. That's the space we should be. You know cloaks on the ground as Jesus came in on the donkey? That's just for safety. Because if it wasn't a donkey that was walking, they would have laid down. But instead I'm gonna put my cloak there so that I don't die. How are you going to worship Jesus? He wants to take you on a journey of worship this year. Now we come to the crux of this passage, right to the middle of it. So if you want biblical worship, there it is. The issue of authority. Jesus approaches them and says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to, given to who? given to me. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the way that he starts this phrase, this, this, this sentence. He begins this conversation. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This wording echoes Daniel 7, and they would have known this. Daniel chapter 7 says, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. What did he mean? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What did he mean by that? Do you remember what, when he was on another mountain in the middle of fasting for 40 days and the devil came to him? And remember what the devil said to him? Hey, Jesus, see all this up on a mountain? See all of this? He showed him the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all of it. All you gotta do is bow down to me. Remember that? And Jesus bats the devil away using the word of God. And then right now, Jesus dies and is resurrected and he's standing in newness of life, a resurrected man. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That authority means the defeat of the devil. The devil's empty words had no say, but Jesus has been given authority by his Father. Hey, listen, some of you think that the way that you need to have authority is by being over people. Jesus shows us that the way that you have true authority is by who you are under, by who you serve, not by who serves you. Jesus' authority was given to Him because He surrendered to the will of the Father. He surrendered to His Father. He was in submission to His Father and that is how He arrives with authority, not by who serves Him. Some of you want more authority in your prayer life, in your teaching, 
in your life, in your work, you want more authority, it's about serving. Who are you gonna come under? If you can come under and submit and serve, more authority is given. So that's the first thing. It means the defeat of, of the devil. But then also, it means the defeat of death itself. Because Jesus is standing here, alive. And He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Hey, if I see someone who was dead and then three days later, they're resurrected and they're standing in newness of life and they say, all authority has been given to me, I'm inclined to believe them. I'm going to say, yes, whatever you say and can I get you a glass of water or something, right? There is something that has happened in that moment where He has defeated death. Man, that is something. Death is something we're familiar with. We experience it every day. 150,000 people on earth die every single day. 150,000. So we're familiar with death. And yet there is one. There is one. There is one who has defeated death and has lived to tell the tale. And then he says, all authority has been given to me. I believe you. I believe that. So, if we worship the one and we're on our faces before the one who has defeated the devil, the the dark forces of evil, and he's defeated death, my encouragement to us is this. If 2023 was the year of because he lives, let's make 2024 the year of because he lives. Because he lives. We can be anxious about and uncertain about the future because 2024 is going to be an uncertain year and we cannot change that. But what we also cannot change is that we worship one who's been raised from the dead and he holds time and eternity in his hands and he's directing the affairs of the cosmos. He hasn't just let it spin away like a top, hopefully, and then for it to kind of peter out or fall off the table. He is directing the affairs of planet Earth, the history around it, the universe around it, and He lives. Right now, today, He died and He rose again. And we worship Him, we're connected to Him, which means what? You and I will share the same destiny as our Saviour and our friend and our brother, Jesus of Nazareth, because He lives. Let that inspire you. Let that put some courage and faith in you this year. Because though, you know, because even if the mountain falls into the sea and the stars collapse onto the earth, He lives. There is nothing that could happen in your life that is going to change that. And He lives and He holds you and I. There's always a second chance. They might not get better now, but things will always get better. But I know what you're thinking. And this is, you know, part of what speakers do and what they teach you to do is to anticipate pushback, right? And you ask the questions that are being asked in the room. So I say, because he lives and he holds everything. And the next thing that you think is, 
hold up, I don't see that. Because if he did, all of these things, bad things that have happened, wouldn't have happened. And if he did, all of these great things that should have happened, didn't. So there, proof, ha, he doesn't live, right? Or therefore, that's wrong. I don't see it. If he lives, it's somewhere else and it's not here because we don't see his dominion on the earth right now. Fair enough. But he hasn't finished speaking. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so therefore go. Truth is, he's working his authority through you. Through you. How's he gonna do all this? How's he gonna bring heaven to earth? How's he gonna bring the, the, the earth into its glorious future in God's kingdom through his disciples who go into all the world and preach the good news and tell people about Jesus? That's how. That's how he does it. He sends you, he sends me to make disciples, learners. The Greek word is mathetes, where we get our word mathematics from. Literally those who will learn, who apply themselves to learning. He sends you and I to exercise his authority over heavens and earth into the world. As you go, he says, do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Some of us will be called to far-flung places, far-off places with names that we can't even pronounce. Some of you will be called to go into your workplace day in and day out and faithfully serve and continue to just plough the Kingdom of God in those places. Some of you are gonna be called in multiple different places. Do you know where you've been called? Because that call will be challenged this year. And what the enemy's gonna try and do is fill up your life with fuzz and fluff and white noise. And you're gonna be like, I can't even see anymore. One time, the, the only thing you're gonna be hold on to is what God has done and what He's called you to. Do you know what He's called you to? Grab a hold of that call this year. As you go into all the world, make learners. He makes us good news bringers. Secondly, he says the way to do that is to baptise. You know what we do with our body matters? And baptisms, this beautiful outward display of something that's happened internally. He said, I want you to, every disciple, everyone who becomes a learner, I want you to baptise them. Isn't it a strange thing that Jesus should demand? But what happens is it's this outward, it's an outward display of something that's already happened on the inside. It's an anticipation of a future reality that says, I'm gonna go into water, i.e. I'm gonna go into a death and I'm gonna then rise up on the other side. It harkens back to the ancient story of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt and they had to pass through a sea and the sea split before them. They were in slavery and they came through the water and they came out onto freedom on the other side. And so Jesus says, I want you to do that. You know, we had nearly 50 baptisms at Discovery last year in our community. 50, right? 50 new life. Yeah, we can celebrate it. We can celebrate it. 50 outward displays, 50 public confessions of the Lordship 
of the reign of Jesus. How many could we have this year? How many could we have this year? Now, I know it's not about numbers, right? I, I get, that's, that's totally fine, but they do tell us something. And wouldn't it be great if we could continue to see people saved, set free, and submitted to Jesus, the one who lives forever? And then he says, teach. Make disciples of all nations, baptising them and teaching them. And I wanna encourage us to teach and be taught. We have to do a little bit of exegetical work on this one because what did Jesus mean when he said everything that I've commanded you? Because he told the disciples, if you go back through the Gospels, he told the disciples some pretty like specific things that I'm sure they probably didn't teach. I.e., hey guys, cost of living's coming up, season needs is tax. We've got a foolproof way of being able to get your tax money. All you need is a couple of fishing lines. Just throw it out, reel it up, and the fish that you catch is gonna have the coin in, in its mouth. Remember when Jesus told his disciples to do that? Should we tell everyone to do that? Well, if we're following those words, everything that I have commanded you literally, then perhaps we should all go and buy some nets because guys, I've got a great way. Our auditors won't love it. They won't. They won't love that that kind of scheme. When Jesus is standing here and He is resurrected into new life and He says, I want you to tell the people, the disciples, everything that I've commanded you. What's the first thing that you're going to be thinking about? Well, I'll tell you, I'm gonna be thinking about, well, how about we start with the fact that you were dead and now you're not. Let's start there, which is exactly when you go into the book of Acts and you start to see the disciples go out into all the world to the Gentile nations. What is the thing that they say? Jesus is Lord. How do we know it? Because He was dead and now He's alive again. The crucial part of their of their ministry, the crucial part of their message was that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And that means He's Lord. He's Lord over the devil. He's Lord over sickness. He's Lord over sin. He's Lord over the future. He's Lord over your past. He's Lord over it all because He raised from the dead. And that's our message to the world. That's our message to people. It means there's hope in every single situation. And so we can be taught you position yourself to be taught this year and to teach. Oh, I can't teach. I'm not a teacher. Hey, you've got a story. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you've got a story. He's changed you. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, there is time to submit your heart to Him. You've got a story. And the other story is He was dead and now He's alive. He is alive. So come on, guys, let's make 2024 a year of because He lives. You can allow because He lives to be the big banner over your year. Things are hard, things are tough, we're struggling, everything's going up, it's real. And those things are true, they're felt needs, but that's now, that's not forever. That's right now. 
and He is going to see us through it all. The year's not gonna get more certain for you, I'll tell you that. It's not gonna get more certain. And all of our clamouring for comforts and things are all just trying to make our lives feel a little bit more certain. And it might not be that way, but we have one, we serve one, we worship one who stands outside of all of that and says, let me be your certainty. Let me be your guide. So we're gonna share around the Lord's table together. As Jesus said, I'm gonna be with you to the very end of the age. And when He said that, He gives us these emblems to be able to remember by. If you would have received communion on your way in, if you did not receive it, I want you to put your hand up really high and our hosts are gonna quickly scoot around and offer you the emblems, the bread and the cup. Put your hand up real high because it's really actually hard for them to see it with everyone else around unless you're kind of really loud and proud. Yep, hand up and then once you've received the elements, you can put your hand back down. And you feel free to, we're gonna start with the bread, so you can tear those, you can tear those covers off as well. Okay, can everyone hold the bread? What we do with our bodies matters. And Jesus gave us this symbol, this as a way of us identifying with Him. Because in a, in a strange and small way, these pieces of bread represent His body that was broken for us. And then what we do in a strange and small way is take that symbol into ourselves, like literally into our bodies. We take it into us as though we identify with that death and we make it our own. And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna take this bread which represents His body. And we're saying, Jesus, we we identify with You. And you died a death on our behalf, in our place, that we do not need to now. A death that is eternal separation from God. We don't need to experience that now because of what He's done. So Father, we thank You for this gift. We thank You for the gift of the Lord Jesus. We thank You for His death. And the bread that we hold now as it reminds us of His body, we take it into ourselves, identifying with it. And we thank You in that remembering way that it's a death that we no longer now need to experience because of what you've done for us. Let's eat together, church. And likewise with the cup. The Old Testament sacrificial system meant that in order for there to be a... um, an absolvance or a propitiation for sins that blood needed to be spilt. And I, for one, am so glad that Jesus became that sacrifice, ending sacrifice once and for all, but for us. 
and His blood now washes away all of that sin, separates it from the east as far as from the west and makes us white as snow. Our missing the mark, our rebellion, no longer has a place to stand in His presence because of His blood. And so Father, we thank You for this gift, the gift of Jesus, and we pray that this would be present and effectual in our lives today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Let's drink together. Okay, church, you can just hold on to hold on to the cups until the end of the service and then there'll be places for you to, 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 to um, dispose of those. But I'd love it if, I'd just love to invite you to stand right now. I want to take us back to the beginning of this message. As for these next few moments, we meet Jesus in His favourite place. You know where His favourite place is now? Is it on a mountain somewhere? Where two or three are gathered. That's it. Where two or three are gathered, that's His favourite place. There's two or three here. So let's meet Him in this favourite place and let us prostrate ourselves before Him. Now I'm going to spare you. There's not enough room for one. But for two, let's make this a time where our hearts are just flat out before Him. Jesus, we put ourselves under You, under Your Lordship, under Your care. What You say goes. Our authority is not from ourselves, but Lord God, You are over us. And so Father, right now we come before You and we lay ourselves down at Your feet. We say, have Your way in our lives. Lord Jesus, this year is about because You live. Everything will change. There is hope for now, there's hope for tomorrow. And so we worship You today. We honour You today. We've been praise and honour. Glory to Your Name. Come on, church, let's lift our voices this morning and sing. Let's lift our voices and sing to Him, My chains are gone, that great gospel truth. Come on, let's sing together. Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church Podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media. It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.